Sunday Messages podcast from Cedar Valley Unitarian Universalists in Cedar Falls, Iowa, and I'm your host, Kat Bean Hansen. Welcome. We're glad you're here. This week's message was originally given on November 15th, 2020. Pastor Emma Peterson delivers a message about spiritual practice called Cultivating an Inner Spiritual Life. morning everybody. Today we are discussing cultivating an inner spiritual life. I'd like to begin this message with a bit of a disclaimer. I don't claim to be an expert or even regularly successful at shaping and maintaining my own spiritual practices. The suggestions I make today are merely that, suggestions. Some of these small rituals or thought exercises might work for you. They might offer you some of what so many of us are seeking, a sense of inner calm, assuredness, rejuvenation, or even simply comfort. Some of these suggestions may seem silly or like something you're not terribly interested in testing out. That's fine. Accepting that we all seek different ways of communing with spirit and accepting that we all interpret and understand spirit to mean different things is part of the work of the UU community. A reminder of our third and fourth principles. Our third principle, acceptance of one another and encouragement to spiritual growth in our congregations. And our fourth principle, a free and responsible search for truth and meaning. We, as a congregation, are interested in the individual spiritual health of our members. Further, we are disinterested in debating the merits or effectiveness of the spiritual practices of others. If it doesn't work for us, that's fine. If it works for them, that's great. We, as a congregation, are interested in the methods and practices that illuminate truth and meaning in our lives, and we are committed to encouraging one another in our own unique journeys towards spiritual awareness. Discerning, articulating, and strengthening our spiritual convictions is part of our work. Finding meaning in our day-to-day is part of our work and part of the bread of life that keeps us going from one day to the next. A note on the meaning of spirituality. Our spiritual sense of ourselves in the world concerns our understanding of purpose, the meaning of life, and the meaning of our own lives in particular. How we make meaning or how we derive meaning from the events of our lives our best and our worst experiences, our closest or most fractured relationships, our achievements or our failures, how these experience influences, influence our perspectives and our choices, or how they don't 
is in essence spiritual work. Sometimes I refer to this as soul work. Some folks start to get a bit uncomfortable when I get going about soul work. Soul work suggests the existence of a soul, and some of you have expressed to me your skepticism that we carry within us an essence or a soul that is separate and eternal beyond our physical bodies. That's fine. Rejecting the idea of souls doesn't mean you reject the idea that life has any meaning at all. And if you do think life is meaningless in the grand scheme, then that's fine too, I guess. But I hope that you know that your life, the life you're living now, is valuable and purposeful, even if you struggle to discern what that value or purpose may be at the moment. And if you don't know that, I urge you to seek out resources and community that will affirm that truth. A note on spiritual foundations. Sometimes they get shook. I'm experiencing a shaking of mine at this very moment. For a long time, I've held on to two existential beliefs. The first is that the meaning of our lives, and I've thought this for a long time and I've shared this with you, is to know one another. The meaning of our lives is to be in relationship with one another. To know and be known is how we recognize the divine in ourselves, in each other, and in the whole world. Now, my second belief comes before the first, and that is that people are, at their core, essentially good and essentially desire to bestow goodness onto others. So my two foundational existential beliefs that people are essentially good and that life is for knowing and know, that life is for knowing one another and helping one another have become unsettled in these last nine months. As a nation, we've witnessed the worst of individualism, the concerning tenet of American exceptionalism, people refusing to follow basic guidelines meant to protect one another, and our systems of governance all but outwardly encouraging sacrificing our most vulnerable so that no one feels pressured to even slightly inconvenience themselves for the good of the whole. In many ways, COVID has blasted a spotlight on the inequity of our capitalist system and has convicted me further in my belief that we desperately need to tear everything down and rebuild. That's a whole different sermon and you've heard that from me a lot. So as the months have dragged on, I found myself spiritually and psychologically a bit unmoored. All the more reason to return to concrete spiritual practice as a way to reground, reconsider, and recenter what I call my soul or my heart center. A note on the differences between spiritual practices and the merits of each. I've spoken a couple of times in, in a few of my sermons about Ram Dass, Western, uh, Western philosopher um, and former uh, psychology professor. And I've spoken a lot about his 
ideas about what spiritual practice is, what the purpose of spiritual practice is, and how to cultivate it in our own lives. And I'm concerned that I'm misappropriating the quote. And when I was preparing for this Sunday's message, um, I couldn't find this exact quote, but I believe that this is Ram Das quoting Thomas Merton, though I could be wrong. But one of the things that Ram Das says repeatedly in his recorded conversations is that when you find a spiritual practice that you find is helping you journey closer to the spirit or helping you journey closer to your own heart center, and it works for a long time, and then eventually it stops working, put that spiritual practice down and find another. Ram Das encourages us not to become overly attached to the uh, practices that we believe um, center and connect us to our spiritual selves. So, for example, and he uses several examples in his talks, for a long time, meditation was Ram Das's spiritual practice. And he spent years and years learning how to meditate and cultivating a practice of meditation. And then eventually meditation no longer worked for him. It no longer connected him to that great I am that he was seeking. And so he put down meditation and he tried something else. In his later life, uh, he became very involved in chanting or singing as a means of spiritual practice. Ramdas also cautions us not to make the practice itself the spirit. The practice is the avenue to spirit. The practice is not the spirit. So if you find that you have made a token of, for instance, yogic practice or writing practice or prayer practice, and you start to feel like the practice itself is the spirit, then that's also perhaps a warning sign that you need to draw back and try something different. Here's a quote directly from Ram Das. This is from some of his writing. Most of us are enmeshed in the world and we get lost very easily in the stuff of life. A daily practice is very useful to keep reminding you, to keep pulling you back and waking you up again, giving you a chance to see how you got lost the day before and to keep putting what's happening to you in the world back into a spiritual perspective. For instance, I read a little passage in the morning when I wake up. I have books next to my bed and I'll just pick one up and start the day reading a passage from a holy book or a little quote from a, from a saint. And it will just start me remembering, reminding me what the game is all about. You can tune to the spirit through a variety of practices looking to each method to keep opening you up in its own unique way. At the beginning, when you're trying different methods, be generous with yourself. There will be a method that will fit your unique karma. If you come to a practice with a pure heart and a yearning to be free, it will reflect, it will reflect back the purity of your aspiration. Spiritual practice isn't a way to achieve anything or to get somewhere else. You're already here. You do spiritual practices because you do spiritual practices, not to get to some other state, but to get in touch with, what, with who you already are, to clear the dust from the mirror, to come more fully into the present moment. 
whether you will be free and enlightened now or in 10,000 births from now is not the point. What else is there to do? You can't stop doing them anyway. Once you awaken to the possibility of the universe within, it's like a gravitational force. Don't get trapped in your expectations. Spiritual practices can themselves become obstacles if you become too attached to them. Use these methods as, con as consciously as you can, knowing that if you are truly working, if they are truly working, eventually they will self-destruct. So with all of that in mind, I wanted to give a few examples of spiritual practices that I have used or that I use with some regularity to try to connect myself back to myself. For me, and I've been thinking about this a lot and thinking about how to describe this, I'm pretty adept at compartmentalizing, right? I'm pretty good at separating the thoughts in my head from the thoughts in my heart from my physical self. So I often find that I am separating these parts of myself off as a way to kind of cope with the noise and the chaos of the world. So if I stay mostly in my head, I don't have to think about my body. Or if I focus in on my heart and the desires of my heart, I don't have to think about what's happening in my brain. Or if I focus on just my body, then I don't have to think about my head or my heart. So I find that the way that I kind of exist in the world is a kind of coping where I'm cutting myself off from some part of my existence so that I can get through the day. And for me, spiritual practices are an intentional reconnecting of all of those different aspects of myself. It's a way for me to connect my head to my heart and my head and my heart back to my body instead of living in this kind of separate and compartmentalized um, self-protective way. So I've been thinking about some of the things that I could do, that some of the things that I do that I could suggest to you that you may find helpful or enjoyable or comforting. A couple of weeks ago, I gave a sermon um, where I talked about building an ancestral altar, building an altar uh, to venerate um, those of your relatives or people that have been dear to you in your life um, that uh, have passed on and lighting a candle and building an altar to remember them. I use candle lighting um, not just for ancestral altar work, but for um, all sorts of things in my day-to-day -day life. A lot of you um, have probably experienced, I get, I'll, I'll get a text message or an email or a phone call uh, from a congregant or a friend, and they'll tell me uh, that um, someone that they love or care about is, is going through a hard time, or that they themselves are going through a hard time, or that they've lost a loved one, or they've lost a pet. And my response to them is often um, that I will light a candle for them. And when I say that I'll light a candle for them, I do that. I go and I light a candle. I light a candle and I think about the person uh, that I've been asked uh, to pray for or to think about. 
And I light that candle and I leave that candle lit for a long time. And every time I glance at that candle, I'm reminded of the person that I'm holding in my heart. And I'm reminded to put out some of that energy into the world, um, healing energy or loving energy in the direction of that person. I've been thinking also about the seven principles and the way that the seven principles um, for Unitarian Universalists can become sort of separate from our day-to-day -day life and our day-to-day -day practice, right? We can isolate the seven principles into really just sort of lofty philosophical thought and keep them separate from our day-to-day -day life practice. But the seven principles are meant for us to live them daily in practice. So I was thinking about candle lighting. And what if over a seven week period, I apologize for my ready nose. What if over a seven week period, you designed a ritual dedicated to the seven principles and you started with the first principle and every day for a week, you lit a candle in honor of the first principle. And you made a little two or three minute ritual of reading the principle or speaking the principle out loud and lighting the candle. And then every time you looked at that lit candle, you reflected on that principle. Imagine if you took that first principle, our belief in the inherent worth and dignity of every person. And for one week, you meditated and you considered what that actually meant in your day-to-day -day life. Lighting the candle is the jumping point of the practice. So what if you spent the rest of that week reading articles written by uh, journalists who were disabled? What if you spent part of that week uh, donating, making small donations uh, to charities that um, offer resources uh, to the economically disenfranchised? What if you spent that week that started with the lighting of a candle and then you spent the rest, it sounds like Chalika, Joan is saying in the comments, it's, it's a lot like Chalika. Yes, it is. It's these seven days or seven weeks where you're reflecting on the principles of our faith, on the foundations of our faith. It's a lot like Chalika. It's kind of a rip off. I kind of ripped the idea off from our holiday. But what if you used candle lighting as a beginning, as a beginning jumping off point of ritual to expand your thinking and to expand your spiritual awareness in your day-to-day -day larger life. That's one, spiritual practice, and it's an easy one. The second spiritual practice that I have um, is about mindful movement, mindful dancing. So I've talked about how I can be very skilled at kind of separating my mind and my brain from my physical body. I can spend a lot of time ignoring the fact that I have a physical body. I have a lot of different reasons for that. Very few of them are healthy, but it's something that I'm skilled at doing. And I find sometimes I just really desperately need to get physically back into my body. And so I'll dance. I'll find a song or maybe I'll even just move silently and kind of intuitively. Most of you know that I did my undergrad work at Bennington College. Bennington College is a very alternative liberal arts school, and it's very renowned for its uh, um, 
not improv dance, although improv dance um, for for its dance program, for its its kind of strange alternative dance program. And in so many of the dance classes that I took when I was at Bennington, we would begin the class with a just five minute practice of intentional, mindful movement. It was a way to kind of get us back into our bodies, to flow some energy out, um, to to, uh, just kind of get yourself centered and ready to dance for the next couple of hours in class. So if this is something that I need, you know, if I need to do, if I'm feeling disconnected from my body, if I just need some energy, if I've got like an emotion or something that's kind of stuck in me and I need to push it out, I'll put on a song and I'll just dance. And I have a couple of songs that I really love to dance to. Or maybe I'll just roll out a yoga mat and I'll just kind of very gently and very slowly stretch. There's a lot of conversation in the chat right now that I'm seeing about liturgical dance. Um, I'm just imagining a Unitarian Universalist liturgical dance team and uh, it's hilarious. (laughs) So someday when we're all able to be back together, I would highly encourage uh, the organization of a UU liturgical dance team. Let's do it. The last spiritual practice um, that I can suggest for you today is um, sitting quietly for three minutes. I call it sitting quietly for three minutes because my mind is so busy um, that I have uh, failed continuously to develop any kind of meditative practice. But sometimes um, I can get myself to sit down and just be quiet for three minutes. I talk a lot about how when I'm doing something in the house um, that doesn't require me to be writing or, or um, you know, doing office work, I always have a podcast going. I always have something playing um, to engage my brain. And a big part of the reason that I do that is so I don't have to be alone with my own thoughts. Um, that was brought to my attention a while ago, and it was really kind of uh, astonishing to me that um, all of this content that I was filling my ears with, where I thought I was like learning and engaging, like doing intellectual work, might actually be because I just can't quite stand silence because it means that I'll have to focus on what's really in my brain. So sometimes I'll just sit and I'll set a timer, three minutes. You can do anything for three minutes. I'll just sit for three minutes quietly. I'll let the thoughts come and go as they may. I'll breathe. I'll feel whatever I'm feeling in my body or in my heart. And I will just be. And sometimes three minutes feels like three hours, and sometimes three minutes feels like one minute. But I often find that after forcing myself to settle and to sit and to be alone with my own thoughts, I come out of those three minutes a little bit calmer, a little bit more centered, and a little bit more in touch with my spiritual sense of the world. Those are a few that have worked for me. (laughs) Jeanette says, give yourself a timeout. That's really very much what it is. I need a timeout. 
I don't sit in a corner and face the wall, but I might as well. (laughs) Those are a few things that have worked for me. And I know that I've heard from others who have their own practices. And I'd love for all of you to engage in that conversation through the week. If you have spiritual practices or if you have things that you've kind of done for a long time that you've never really thought before, oh, maybe this is a spiritual practice. Um, Maybe this is something that I've been doing uh, as a spiritual exercise for a long time and I never knew it. Please share it. The chat has been going crazy during this message. I haven't read all of it. I can only imagine what you've all been talking about, but you're clearly, (laughs) I've clearly sparked some interest in the discussion. So go ahead and share that on our Facebook group this week. Um, Share it with each other. Uh, Continue to share it during our coffee hour period uh, after this service. And um, give yourself this time this week um, and the weeks going forward uh, to get in touch with your heart center and to find a way to settle and to recenter and to keep on going, to keep on keeping on. Times are tough, beloveds. Times are weird and out of our control and tough. It is so easy to feel adrift and uncentered. So figure out what gets you back to your center and do it consistently as you make your way back to yourself. Thank you for listening to me today. Amen and blessed be. This has been the Sunday Messages podcast from Cedar Valley Unitarian Universalists. The music is by Nathan Moore. If you want to learn more about the CVUU, visit our website at www.cedarvalleyuu.org, and you can also find us on Facebook or Instagram at Cedar Valley UU. We welcome visitors to attend our online services on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Central Time. If you'd like to learn more about joining us for a service, send us an email at cvuupodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.